0: a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure and now with this week's episode your host clinical psychologist dr Nazanin moali hello there welcome to episode 55 of sexology podcast i'm your host dr Nazanin moali thank you so much for joining us today in today's show we are answering your sex and dating questions it's a follow-up episode to the conversation we had, Dr. Sharon Cohen, about uh, sex and dating. So if you haven't checked it out, please go back to episode 52. We cover some of the basic challenges people have when dating a new person. In this episode, uh, we're going to talk about how long you need to wait before kind of deciding if you have chemistry with someone or not if you can create a chemistry in a relationship that you never had chemistry with the person and why you keep going back to your previous toxic relationships. This is a concern I hear a lot from my clients and my friends saying that I don't know why I keep hooking up with my ex-boyfriend, he's a jerk. So we talk about some of the elements that plays into that dynamic As I mentioned, our guest is Dr. Sharon. She's a relationship and love consultant in Newport Beach, California. She works with women who can't seem to find the right relationship or who aren't sure they are in the right relationship. Dr. Sharon provides inspiration and helpful women who are dating, having growing pains in a relationship, going through a breakup, seeking to recover and move on, or for those who are going through a dry spell. She has a background in psychotherapy and now works as a consultant, ready to offer you expert advice as to what it is you're doing wrong. Her experience is that the clients who are coming to see her don't know what, what it is they are doing that isn't working and they are ready, they're ready to get the guidance. She currently sees client in her office or a walk and talk outside of the office and via phone calls for people who aren't in the local areas. She was so generous that she offered us the complimentary breakthrough to deep love phone consultation. So all you need to do is just email her and she's going to give you information about how to go about a free consult. I'll leave all the information about her, how to contact her and also her website and everything else. And also the free ebook that she's offering on our website, sexologypodcast.com. Also, I want to remind you that until for the month of the January, as I mentioned during previous episode, I'm offering whoever writes us on an honest review in iTunes or Stitchers, I will uh, mail you a free sexology t-shirt. All you need to do is just go to iTunes, write the review, take a, a snapshot of the review and you can email it to me or you can post it in our social media. I'm pretty much in all platforms, social media platforms. So uh, my handle is oasis to care This is my conversation with Dr. Sharon. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Sharon. She was our guest last week. And I realized that she has so much great information that I wanna, uh, we want to have her back. So we'll give you guys good opportunity to listen and kind of your questions can get answered. Dr. Sharon, welcome to our show again.
1: Thank you so much. It's so
0: great to be back. Uh, So last time we talked about how some of the challenges that might come up during dating and early phases of relationships around sexuality. And I'm kind of curious to kind of ask you more about uh, when people are finding themselves going back to unhealthy relationships time and time again, maybe it's a partner that they had and they know the person is not good for them. Just, they cannot let the person go and they make, they continue making the mistake. So what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. You know what? It's really, it's a complex issue. Um, first of all, I think one thing is that we haven't, you know, whoever the person is who's in that relationship that they keep going back over and over again, is that they haven't learned the lesson that the relationship is going to provide them yet. Uh, and I think every relationship that we're in does have a lesson, and that's the silver lining of any bad relationship that we've or painful relationship that we've been in. Uh, but second, we learn how how to have a relationship based on our opposite sex opposite gendered parent. So for a girl, you know, maybe her dad wasn't around. He was either absent physically or emotionally. He didn't take care of her feelings. And if that was the case, then the woman learned early on as a little girl that pain or longing is love. And so this history of learning that pain or longing is love keeps a woman in her adult relationships with someone who is unavailable to her. And that longing feeling is, is familiar and kind of comfortable. And, and it also keeps her in a relationship that she can't bear to leave. She keeps kind of like going back to that because it's like, this is what love is, right? It's, it's, it's this longing, it's this yearning, it's, this is what love is. And so she she keeps wanting and, and needing and and so she keeps going back until she finally realizes that, you know, this is not going to happen and, and, and she, usually it, she needs to get some help on it or some intervention or until it breaks off for some other reason and then unless she gets some work on it and, you know, I have a lot of women who come to me with this sort of uh, relationship dynamic, uh, a lot of my clients, and I help them learn how to live with, there's a phrase that I actually I learned from my mentor. So they have to learn how to be bored with it, um, with pleasure, rather than to be excited by the pain. And that's a new concept for women who are used to being with the pain of longing. So it's another way I say it's like learning how to be on the merry-go-round of a relationship rather than the roller coaster of the relationship. Uh, so yeah.
0: That is so interesting. And it's kind of reminds me of many of my clients and even friends at times people, because of their early experiences, they kind of stuck in this kind of winning over the partner or kind of like the same kind of familiar, they're playing the same familiar pattern from their family of origin. And at times there's nothing, it's not necessarily related to the attraction today that they have with this current partner, At times, they're just like reenacting their childhood patterns. And I love that you were, you taught, you used the term bored with pleasure because at times I see that partners, like clients are, or friends are in this good relationship that they are and they're stable and they don't find it exciting. And they just kind of like romance and the kind of like daydream or act out sexual behaviors with other partners that are not necessarily emotionally available or stable for them. And that caused lots of challenges in the current relationship that they have.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different terms for it. There's, you know, fantasy addict, romance addict, love addict. And um, whether you want to call it an addiction or not is, is you know, up to the, up to different um, professionals. However, there is sort of that addiction quality to it of, you know, seeking out the high there's, you know, greater tolerance to, like, what it is that they're, they're seeking. Um, there's a withdrawal from it where they don't feel good if they don't have it. And uh, they just keep going after it time and time again, and they don't seem to be able to stay away from it. Uh, and there really does take, it does take sort of some intervention in order to pull them away from that, that behavior.
0: Right. Right, that is so important and because, you know, no relationship gonna stay in the excitement phase. Mm. If you're staying long enough with the relationship as I know Helen Fisher talks about it is just they move forward, they're gonna move to the more stable kind of a bonding experience and unless you kind of identify that as as how relation healthy relationships are, and that has been your pattern in the past, it's going to be challenging for you to kind of feel that kind of commitment and excitement in the current relationship.
1: Right. And you have to determine, you have to like, I guess, teach exactly what is the value and benefit of that pleasurable boredom, you know, which is so different than the excitement, the painful excitement and the, you know, the value of the pleasurable boredom is you have someone who's by you, you have someone to live with and uh and, and grow old together and who's constantly there for you and who will stand by you and have your back and you know there's so much value to that versus the you know always wanting and who's not stable and you know you're never sure what the next move is gonna be on their part, on your part. There's always a questioning and, you know, yeah, there may be some excitement to that, but is that excitement, does that excitement feel good? Well, in some cases, there is like a feel good excitement to it because it's 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 lighting up all those dopamine receptors in your brain and norepinephrine receptors in your brain. Uh, so there is like that roller coaster of chemicals going on. But uh, there isn't that long-term satisfaction. It's more of a a short-term gratification of like dopamine hit and norepinephrine hit uh, versus the more long-term stable relationship, you know, pleasure of just knowing that someone's there for you, knowing that someone you can call someone if your car breaks down or if you're, if you're stranded somewhere, you know, you don't have to call Uber. You can actually call your, your loved one. Right.
0: And like having someone that show up for you is so important. And it's interesting at times. I see many of the clients I work with and also people I know, they get uh, they experience the other challenge, which is they are in the relationship with this wonderful people. They feel they're very compatible, they're good companion, but there's no sexual chemistry. And it's not something like at oftentimes what I hear, it's not the, chemi- that the fact that the chemistry was there and it died off at the beginning, they didn't have as much chemistry, but they stayed in this relationship, hoping that because the person is great, the chemistry going to follow. And I'm just kind of curious, how long do you think a person needs to stay in a relationship to see without any chemistry, sexual chemistry, to see if it's things going to change for them or not?
1: Yeah. You know, it's sexual chemistry is a must, but with women, sexual chemistry can grow. So, you know, I say, give a man, you know, as a woman, give a man like at least two, maybe three dates to see if it develops because men can get so nervous around women that they're attracted to. So they literally cannot speak or think clearly. But once you realize it's not there, if it's not there after two or three dates, if you don't get, you know, kind of, excited being near him, if you're not feeling any sort of stirrings being close to them, then it's really a non-starter. There's no reason to continue. And, you know, you you should tell him. you should say, hey, thank you so much for all your generosity and these nice dates. However, I'm not feeling the romantic chemistry that I need to feel in order to continue dating you. And I don't want to lead you on. I don't want to use you. You know, so, I just, um, you know, what do you think about what I've said here? Cause I think you need to like, let him know why you're not going to continue seeing him or why you don't feel it's, you know, it's going anywhere. And by telling him like, it's just the kindest way to let someone down rather than ghosting and, or dodging his calls or whatever. But life is too long to be with someone that you have absolutely no sexual chemistry with. And in fact, I think it's so important that I tell my clients to take it off their list of non-negotiables because it's such a non-negotiable that it doesn't need to take up on their list of three non-negotiables. It doesn't need to take up one of the slots.
0: I love that. you you said it's a must because I feel that people sometimes they don't kind of understand, they don't they don't want to accept that how important it is for them. And then they meet these wonderful people that they have this all the other things from their list, but the chemistry is not there. And that can be confusing. And I, it's interesting that you say two, three dates, which I definitely agree with you. What I see that sometimes people stay in the relationships for two, three years, or even decades, kind of hoping that things gonna come back or they can uh, work through this kind of non-attraction, non-chemistry. And they then they get stuck in the pile, like in the cycle of I'm going to hurt her or I'm going to hurt him if I leave him. And it's just going to be they're going to be added things in their relationship. Now they're sharing a house and it's just going to be so much more challenging to break things off.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, is at some point, if you if you break it off after a long period of being together, and you say, well, it's because I never had any sexual chemistry with you. And you've been together for two years. It's like you're going to break that man because he's like, what? You've never had chemistry for me? And you're just telling me now after two years together? That's going to like completely shatter his worldview of your relationship together. It's so much better to say to somebody after three dates, two dates, or four dates, whatever, if you decide to go that long, and say it then, because at that point, you've not developed such a strong relationship with someone that it's going to break him. He'll be like, wow, that kind of stings a little bit, but much better and much classier to tell me now than two years into it after you've gotten your lives all entangled and uh, mushed together. Uh, So I would absolutely say if it's not there after... Somewhere between two, three, four dates, then it's not going to happen,
0: right? And I like that you uh, you mentioned earlier that just kind of talk to people about it instead of disappearing on them, because then a you don't give them opportunity to see, kind of understand what was going on, and if you're the if they're the person that you you liked, like you went out for a few dates. It's an honorable thing to do, and also it can help you to stay in friendship zone. Like I, I when I was single, I went out to people. There were lovely people. There was no chemistry, but then after a while, it turned to friendship, which was right. great.
1: Right. Hey, and let me give one quick. I think uh, you know, there's always a something that breaks the rule, and the exception that breaks the rule. I think the exception to this would be like if you were. You know, Although with everything that's going on with the work situation now with people being sexually, uh, the Me Too movement, things being sexually harassed, at, women being sexually harassed at work, I think there is a case where if you're working with someone over a long period of time and, and you're together for hours and hours on end, I think there could be a situation where if you're in close proximity to someone and you're not sexually attracted to them initially, but you're together for hours and hours and hours on end, you could end up being sexually attracted to them after a long period of time if you weren't initially. However, if you're dating someone, I don't think it can happen in that regard. So if that makes any sense. I think that it's a different situation because in that case, you have a common project that you're working on that you are together and working towards a common goal. But dating isn't the same situation. You're just going out together and trying to, you know, assess your uh, your situation, you don't have a common goal, except that you're trying to evaluate if you're for each other. Maybe you start rock climbing or doing something together, but it's still not the same sort of common goal as working together. So. I do want to say that I do think that there's a um, there's like the exception to the rule on that.
0: Right, right. So what you what you're saying is that when like there's this work or, or a common project with a person, you might not feel the attraction kind of immediately because you're
1: seeing them through a different lens. Is it part of that? I think so. I think that there's you're just. There's something kind of sexy about seeing someone do what they do best. And that is usually, for men, it's their mission or purpose. Right. And so when you see that, it's like there's something attractive about that. And when you're dating someone, you're that's not with a part of them that you're seeing. You're just seeing them impress you with, you know, taking you out and showing you what they have to offer in that regard. But it's not seeing them at their at their thing that they do, which is their work, and their, that's their mission or purpose. So I think that's why, you know, affairs get started at work, because the women who see men at work are seeing them do what they do best, which is work. And so I think that's why men are are very attractive when they're doing that.
0: Right, that is so true, and it's interesting that if you're dating someone from work, how would then that attract, whether the t- attraction translates in the bedroom for you when you're not in that kind of environment yeah. and the other thing you mentioned that was very interesting and true is just giving like the chemistry at least two three dates to kind of see if how things are going the other challenge i see in my practice is that people kind of like with tinder and like other apps they look at one picture And if the person looks, everything else looks good, I mean, if it's like on match.com or things that they have like some description, they don't give it a chance. So unless Mm -hmm. the person is immediately attractive to them, they're just not going to go out with them, which I feel that can be limiting as well.
1: Absolutely. But you know what? It's like, it's sort of like seeing someone in a bar. If you think about it that way, it's like you see someone across the room in a bar, you kind of make an evaluation, like, are they attractive or not? And you you swipe one way or the other. However, if you were in a bar and they you decide they were or weren't attractive, you would sort of turn away or not. But if they came up and started talking to you and you found out like, oh, hey, they're way cooler now that they're here in front of me, you would continue to talk to them. But you just don't have that that opportunity on, on Tinder or one of the apps because they're, they're not in front of you, you know, because sometimes people's coolness factor increases once they're talking. You just don't have that option. You know, there's no little option to say, oh, let's have a real-time conversation face-to-face on the app. You, you have it with the chat, but it's not the same as 3D.
0: Right. And also, you're right that if it's just if you're going on a look, And you said there's not necessarily personality attached to it, and the pictures. You might keep going out with these people that you might not be liking their personality, and you might get discouraged and say, "All these apps are not like you know irrelevant; they're not working for me." Part of it is like you're right. Sometimes we are at the bar; the person might not look attractive at the beginning, and then they start talking, and you're totally finding them attractive because of their personality.
1: Yeah. Or vice versa. I remember being like 21, 22 years old, being at a bar and looking at a guy from across the bar and going, oh my God, that guy's so hot. He's so cute. And then by the time, you know, by the time he came over to start talking to me, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's just a total drip. There's nothing exciting about him. There's nothing really interesting about him and thinking, I can't believe I wasted all that time, like looking at him, googly eyeing him. (laughs) And, uh, and now there's nothing interesting about him. And, and, you know, it can go both ways. So, you know, unfortunately the, the picture is just one little piece of information to go on. There's so much more to go on than just a picture, but that's kind of all people are look. if that's all people are looking at, if they're not really taking kind of the, uh, right up into consideration. I don't know. I mean, it's really, there's really so much more to take into consideration, but if that's all you have to go on, that's all you have to go on is this picture, the words, and trying to put the two things together and making a, some sort of a discernment as to whether or not this is someone you want to go out with
0: right the other thing that one of the concerns that many i hear from women that they have when they're dating is the fear that what if the person is a con artist or pathological liar and i'm uh, missing the signs i was i remember there was a few years ago actually in Newport beach was this woman that was going Mm -hmm. out with a guy who was a anesthesiologist and like he claimed to be an anesthesiologist and turned out i was just like he was He was a felon. So there's always this fear that I don't know enough about this person that I'm dating. I'm finding them on the app. So what are some of the warning signs you think that women need to be aware when they're making decision on choosing or going on a date as far as the safety goes, as far as the long-term relationship goes?
1: Yeah. You know what? There's a great book by Sandra Brown called Women Who Love Psychopaths. Oh, I haven't read that. Oh, it's a great book. And, and what's great about it is it outlines the spectrum of narcissists to psychopaths as having low to no empathy, conscience, or remorse. And I think that's a great way to look at it because once you realize kind of those are the three key factors to look at, empathy, you know, whether or not they can like relate to your feelings, you know, if they don't they're once you say, Hey, I'm feeling this, and then they'll tell you how they're feeling, which sort of really disregards anything they, that you have just said about your feelings. Like they're, they're, your feelings bounce off of them and they don't, they don't respond about them, about your feelings. And then conscience, do they, do they pay attention to anything that they do? And then uh, remorse, of course. And then, so that's a, a great way to look at the spectrum of, again, narcissist to psychopaths. And then the other piece of the puzzle is how the, what the women have in common. They have certain qualities and that attractive of, of who it is that is attracted to men who are psychopaths. And so their qualities are, uh, let's see, what were they? They are uh, cooperation, helpfulness, and compassion. Great qualities for a woman to have, right? And then there's there's another thing. There's the initial attraction piece of the puzzle, which is excitement seeking, extroversion, and competitiveness. And so it's also often really smart women who are falling for these sociopaths, psychopaths, narcissists. And so it's really important to pay attention to, like the men that you meet. Do they have these qualities? What qualities do you have? It's a great book, and uh, it's a great read. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, important to pay attention to who it is that you're going out with because they're out there. There's another book out there. I'm right now the The name of it is, is evading me, but it really helps to kind of understand that there's, I think it's, I think the number is 4% of the population is in this realm. And that's more than you would, that's more people than you would think. And it's probably gone up since, since that the first book that I read, this was written, which cause it was in a lot of years ago.
0: Right. And it's just so scary to hear that how many people are out there that are like a narcissistic spectrum or like a times like antisocial spectrum, which is very mm-hmm. scary. And it's interesting that you talked about how the like lack of remorse. And at times mm-hmm. these people are really good with kind of tending to the relationship, the person that they're trying to court. But one way that I learned is helpful to kind of see how they're treating other people, their Mm -hmm. friends, their service people, the outside, if they're kind of like uh, extending that kindness, niceness to those people as well, or they're just like trying to be nice to you, while you're seeing them being an asshole to others.
1: Right. I mean, because oftentimes these, these people are super, super charming. But, you know, what's there's kind of a reason behind their charm. And it's usually to get what they want, not actually to be kind to anybody else. It's like everybody in their world is a pawn in their game. So we're, they're just moving the game pieces around the board in order to get what they want. And uh, so they're very attractive people. But this, that's how they get. That's how they get all these, um, like, special favors.
0: Right. And also, it's just, like, it's a kind of scary to see and hear that you say they choose people who are kind and cooperative and compassionate. So, they almost pick their kind of victims based on those great qualities.
1: Absolutely. And and the other thing is, is oftentimes people who are really, um, like I said, really... Um, cooperative really maybe do really well at their job. they're really on time. there are they're people who stick to their schedule and, and who do well at work. but they because of that, they're they're lacking a little of excitement in their life sometimes. And so when someone comes to them who seems to have a little extra edge to their life, that seems very cool and exciting. So when that person comes into their life, they're like, oh, God, I need a little excitement in my life. And so that sociopath, the narcissist, the um, psychopath, and I know those aren't the common terms right now, but that's the that's the book's terms for it. Then it's like that person seems that much more appealing. And so it's like, oh, God, I could use that guy who's who's." doing these fun, exciting things, but they're on the edge and they're kind of pushing that, the the woman who's a little bit more reserved right now because she has all these other responsibilities.
0: Right. And it's, they're just so good with kind of twisting and changing uh, the reality. So at times mm-hmm. this woman hearing from their family members, from their friends, that this person is not a good Person for you, and because of this lore of the excitement that the person, the antisocial person, or psychopath, or the narcissistic person, giving the a woman, uh, it's just hard to kind of notice and accept
1: that. So, and oh, sometimes,
0: yeah, and sometimes they kind of count on that—that that, like they get isolated because of this. Of comments that people make.
1: That's it. you. You've just nailed it. That's exactly right. There's just like, oh God, like none of my friends like him. My family doesn't like. Him. They are making comments and let. It's like they just don't understand. He's really providing something for me that I need right now. And. You know, I just I, I'm not going to listen to them because I'm, I'm getting I'm getting my fix of what I need. And, and it's not even necessarily in this uh, the same way we were talking earlier about the addiction of like a love addict or something. It's more it's more of like I just need this excitement right now. I just really I'm craving that because everything else in my life is so by the book that I, this excitement is really feeding me.
0: Right. And I can talk to you hours about it. And I know we've been talking for a while. So again, we can continue it in future episodes. But I want to make sure that our listeners, they know how to get hold of you because you have lots of great content in your website and videos and everything. So if our listeners
1: want to contact you, what would be the best way? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, You know what? I would love to offer your listeners a complimentary breakthrough to deep love phone consultation. And if they could just write me an email, Sharon at com, And just say that they heard me on your podcast and we can get that scheduled. And that just is really an opportunity for us to get clear on what it is that they want in their life as far as, you know, finding that great love. And I would just love to help anyone, you know, get into that future that they're really, really wishing for. And also there's a free book, free ebook on my website. That's just drsharoncohen.com, D-R-S-H-A-R-O-N-C-O-H-E-N.com. And uh, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. And also I have, you know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and I have a YouTube channel And so I would love for them to look me up on any of those.
0: Awesome. And that's very generous of you to offer the 20 minutes. I'll make sure I put a link to all of those great resources in our show notes. So if our listeners want to check it out, they can go to the show notes and download it or kind of email you or yeah. And find you. Thank you so much for your time. And this was absolutely
1: lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to talk to you. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. I hope my
0: conversation with Dr. Sharon gave you some insight on what's going on in your relationships and gave you some idea about what you can do to change the challenges. Based on my experience, I think what's one thing that could be very impactful for personal change is to kind of identifying and seeing the patterns. Because many times people coming in, and they're telling me the stories that over and over they've done these behaviors. They don't know that's a pattern for them, or they're in denial. So if you are someone that they are thinking you're struggling and you're able to identify the pattern that's not working for you, that's wonderful. At least you are part. Or you're starting in the right path. And so I just want to remind you guys that uh, since this is our anniversary month. I'm offering whoever uh, would like to book an appointment with me. You're going to get a 50% off. You can uh, come into my offices. I have two offices in LA or we can do video counseling, whatever is comfortable for you. I leave a link to how you can book an appointment with me on our website. Also, I know that new year is a time that people have all these different resolutions. So if you have a resolution and there's a related to something I can help you with, please let me know. I can, we can do an episode on the challenges that you have, or I can give you insight. Even if it's not something that within area of my expertise, I know lots of great sex therapists and sex educators and researchers, and we can work it out. All you can, all you need to do is just email me at drmoali at sexology.com. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening